Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is our bonus Tuesday edition of New York, New York. You know, we're back in the football season when that's the case. It's JJ John Jastrzemski. Rocking and rolling midweek right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And... As we move closer to Thursday night, where the Giants saved their season in week two against the Arizona Cardinals, and now there's clarity, or is there clarity, when it comes to the status of one Saquon Barkley? Let's just get this right out of the way. And I'm, you know, dealing with a normal Tuesday, doing a bunch of stuff. Just finished up a conversation with Pat Leonard, who had to sit through the Brian Dable Zoom. He's doing his job. He's doing his due diligence. But I see on Twitter, Brian Dable discussing the idea that it's, quote unquote, possible that we see Saquon Thursday against the San Francisco 49ers. Let's make something abundantly clear. There ain't a chance in hell Saquon Barkley is playing on Thursday night. Thank you for the acting, Brian Dable. You're nominated for Best Actor whenever the Academy Awards roll around. Good for you. Really. I, I, you know who'd be proud? Your old bosses. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, if they were watching your press conference, they'd say, wow, Daves, great job. Chip off the old block, as they say. Come on, man. Sure week, that team on the road Ankle injury. Schefter is basically tweeting out he's out two to three weeks. Minimum, at minimum, he's missing this game and the Seattle game. You want to tell me he's back? 
In South Beach with me for Giants and Dolphins? Sure. I'll even entertain that because Saquon Barkley is such a freak and is such a physical specimen that if you want to tell me he is a week ahead of schedule, humor me. I think it would be quite the turn of events if he's out there against Seattle. But even that, okay. Long shot. 10 to 1 shot. But uh, you can even humor me with that a little bit. Thursday night, give me a break. When in doubt, you don't play a hurt player on a Thursday night game. Especially when the Giants are in the position that they're in. They got the win they needed on the West Coast against the crummy Cardinals. Now, it's by the hair of their chinny-chin-chins. They spotted the Cardinals a 20 nothing lead. We all know that. We all understand that. But they won a game. I am not getting cute with Saquon Barkley here. They need him down a stretch. Running back, ankle injury, don't, it, it shouldn't. Listen, Brian Dable is giving you some classic BS. That's what he's doing. I'm reacting to it. So guess what? Brian Dable did his job because he got me all riled up. Saquon Barkley is not playing on Thursday. But for the Giants to have a chance in this game, and this is something that to me is getting kind of brushed under the rug a little bit here. Because we've spent a lot of time talking about the Giants' inability to block. The passing game taking six quarters of football to get going. All of the narratives we had in week one and week two. You know what's a narrative that to me has been problematic for the first two weeks of this season? The Giant defense has not been good enough. The Giants don't have a sack. The Giant corners look lost. Where is Kayvon Thibodeau? I mean, that's the guy I expected to be a behemoth, a force, a monster. For the New York Giants. And I don't like the idea of putting and grouping players together based upon just where they were drafted. Guys exceed that sometimes. Guys don't exceed that. It can be a case-by-case basis. But this has to be acknowledged. When the Giants drafted Kayvon Thibodeau last year out of Oregon, they, I think, were of the understanding that maybe they're going to go get there. Miles Garrett, they're going to go get there. T.J. Watt, they're going to go get there. Bradley Chubb or, or Von Miller, whoever your pass rusher extraordinaire on the defensive line may be. Quinn Williams, even though he plays on the inside, but you get my drift. So far, you've not gotten that enough from Thibodeau. Thibodeau wrecked that game against Washington. Give him credit. Can make the argument it was the biggest reason they won that game on the road. That was a monstrous game for a team that was trying to go and get themselves into the postseason. But where is he? Can he go and make a couple of plays against the San Francisco 49ers? Giants are paying a lot of guys on that defensive line. Dexter Lawrence, who earned it last year, made his way on in the New York top 15. He's got to be better. Leonard Williams can't find a freaking guy. Giant defensive line against Purdy has got to make some plays. And you got to be aware of what McCaffrey and the San Francisco rushing attack is going to do. Listen, I know it's the NFL. I know weird shit happens all the time. This would be one of those games where I would be just certified stunned if the Giants, without Barkley, yeah, I'm saying it, on a Thursday night, on the road, went into San Francisco and won this game out. And this is going to sound like a loser mentality. I don't care. Call me a loser. Call me a hater. Call me whatever the hell you want. 
if the Giants go and play themselves a spirited competitive game and are in the fourth quarter and they lose by seven and they lose by 10, but they're in the game throughout, that to me can be something you can work with going into a Monday night game with extra time to prepare against the Seattle Seahawks. Sorry, my expectations are not there in week three, but I'm not going out on much of a win because I think for 99% of you who are listening right now, I think 99% of you would agree. Unless you guys are just delusional homers and you wave giant pom-poms, then maybe you think there's a chance. If the Giants somehow, someway could get two and two in their next four games, which, by the way, would be incredibly impressive at the Niners, home Seattle Monday night, won't be easy, and then this road trip at Miami, at Buffalo. Giants go two and two and hit three and three after that stretch. Brian Dable and company did a well of a job. Well of a job. But that's where we stand. No Barkley. Tough spot. Probably the toughest spot any team is going to be in the NFL this year. On the road, short week against that team. We'll see what the Giants have in store for us on Thursday night. There's no way in the world I'm picking the wins. Point spread, listen, when you got 10, 10 and a half, listen, you know Vegas is going to have major liability on the Niners. So maybe the Giants go and cover the number. I haven't locked in and decided to pick uh, for Thursday night. I'm not there yet on Tuesday. Sleep on it. We do East Coast Bias with House and Raheem Thursday morning on the Ring of Gambling Show. I promise you I'll have my unveiled pick, ATS, for the Niners and the Giants. So you want to check that out. We're thinking about this before we get to Pat Leonard. Twofold. One football-related, one baseball-related. It's a little depressing on the baseball front, as we know. The Jets have not beaten the Patriots since December of 2015. I'm going to say it one more time. The Jets have not beaten the Patriots since December of 2015. Now, I understand a lot of those years, from 2015 to 2019, a guy by the name of Brady was still playing quarterback for the Pats. So you want to excuse those games? Sure. Be my guest. Go right ahead. Okay. 2020, Patriots didn't make the playoffs. Cam Newton was quarterback. 2021, all right, New England was a playoff team. They got smoked by Buffalo. But playoff team. Didn't beat them that year. Last year, New England did not make the playoffs. Losing record. Didn't beat them in either one of the games. Why didn't you beat them in either one of the games last year? Pretty damn simple. The quarterback was an abomination. I am not going to lie. Floored that our friends out in the desert, our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, have the New England Patriots as three-point road favorites against your New York Jets when the Patriots are 0-2 this year. Now, I get it. New England lost both games at home. Premier opponents, you would say. Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl last year. A lot of people, myself included, have very high hopes, health conscious, of course, for the Miami Dolphins and what they might be able to do this year. So I get it. They played two really good teams. They still own two. They still have a quarterback who cannot make plays down the field. They have receivers that don't scare you at all. They have a good defense. 
The Jets have more. Now, the Jets would be obviously set up to go and win this game, I think, comfortably if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, but he's not. Be that as it may, sooner or later, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And that's got to be the theme and the narrative all freaking week in Florham Park. We haven't beaten this team in eight years. That's got to change. I don't know if that's the defense winning the day, if it's Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook winning the day, if it's Garrett Wilson winning the day. Hey, maybe Zach Wilson makes a couple of plays with his legs. This Jet defense, though, know what the Patriot defense did to Wilson in both games last year. The standard for the Jet defense, fair on fair, has moved. It's not what it was. It's not just, don't be good. We'll have Aaron Rodgers. No, you got to be great. Go and be great on Sunday. Because there were anything but against the Cowboys last Sunday. Now, quickly, before we get to Pat Leonard. And we've known this for a while, so this isn't exactly breaking ground or breaking news. And I don't think it should really stun anyone, but pretty depressing that this will be the first New York baseball season since 2014. Think about what you were doing in 2014. Think about where you were in 2014. That is, oh, boy, nine years ago. That's the last time we've had the Mets and the Yankees excluded from postseason play. Now, 15, you had the Met World Series run. 16, I know it was short-lived, but you had the Mets in the wild card game against the San Francisco Giants. And every year since, we've had playoff baseball in some capacity. It is going to be depressing, man. And sad, to be honest with you. When I'm sitting down during the week in October, which I will be because, you know, I love baseball. I love baseball in the month of October. I'll be beaking the games. I'll be beaking the series. I'll be involved. Don't you worry. It's perfect entertainment during the week. Um, But wild to me that this is the year. Considering what the hype and the expectations were for both teams that were uh, in this wonderful predicament that we're in. Well, at least it's football season. At least we have that. All right, speaking of football season, Pat Leonard, my buddy, uh, we saw him out at Giant Camp, Stefan and I, a couple weeks ago. Long overdue to catch up with Pat, Talking Ball Podcast, New York Daily News. We'll set the stage for the Giants and the Niners in a little bit. But before we do that, let's take a couple of calls. We did the Twitter spaces on Sunday, so let's rip a few uh, today. Let's hear them, Steph. What's good, JJ? This is Ryan from Yorkville. That was an unnecessary comeback and a nail-biter that should not have been. We should not have been 20 mil down for the fucking Cardinals. But credit what credit's due. DJ made the corrections after halftime. Brian Dayball, he coached as well as he could to get us a win. I saw some promising plays from Jalen Hyatt, and it was good to see Darren Waller actually get involved in all this. His thing is... The upcoming schedule looks pretty goddamn brutal. I think we got San Francisco next, Seattle at home. We got, uh, and I'm going get, to get the order wrong here. We got the Commanders uh, at the last uh, game, like in October. We got to deal with uh, like some heavyweights in the conference. What I'm trying to ask is, what are the odds that we make it out of the stretch into October one and five, because I can easily see us dropping all of these games. Uh, I am still not sold on our defense after 
well, again, dropping 28 to the Cardinals and 40 to the Cowboys. Uh, let me hear what you say. Thanks. I can understand not feeling great. You're not going to have Barkley, at least I think for two to three weeks. The schedule's daunting, and there are questions. There are questions about your offensive line. There are questions about your defensive line. There are questions about the young corners. Survival. That, to me, is what this stretch is about for Brian Dable and company. And how do the Giants put up points without Saquon Barkley? I think you hit on one of the big reasons. They can't. The improved playmaking at the skill positions on the outside. Waller obviously helps at tight end. He made a difference on Sunday, and I want to see a lot more of Jalen Hyatt. whole lot more of Jalen Hyatt. Let's uh, take two more. Hey, JJ, this is Jeremy from Long Island. Just got done watching the Jets lose in Dallas. I'm not going to freak out about this one. Zach made some good plays. The O-line was horrible. Uh, I don't like Brees and Sauce kind of going off on social media after Brees had this tweet where he was like, I only have four touchers. Concerns me. I feel like Rodgers was kind of like keeping the team together and really focused. And now that he's out, we might go into more chaos. Like last year, we had Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore both requesting trades by like week 10. I really don't want this to start being a real, you know, McCall Hardman like this week in week one. I don't know. I'm just worried about this team being such a focal point with all this drama. But broader picture, we had the amazing win week one. I was actually there. Crazy game. You know, Rogers goes down, but then we win. But now we get this loss. I thought we were going to lose this game. I thought it was just kind of like a trap game. We only get six days. You have to face Micah Parsons. It was amazing today. The biggest thing for me is you have to beat New England. If we're one and two, playing Kansas City on a Sunday night, we're probably one of three, right? You have to beat the Pats. No ifs, ands, or buts. Right now, it looks like Miami's going to take care of them. We'll see. But listen, I'm 23. I just haven't been the Patriots since I was 15, right? The last great moment they had against them was beating them in the playoffs. I was 10. We need to beat the Pats. I think we can because we handled Buffalo. We just got to come up with a good plan, game plan. Salah, Hackett. I mean, I saw on Twitter a lot of things that Hackett and Salah have to do better. Boss has to be better. The whole offensive line has to be way better. I have some hope. This was a trap game, and Dallas is very good. NFC opponent, still one-on-one. Let's beat the Pat. You're right about this Pat narrative. It's got to come to an end. It's got to stop. It's got to stop on Sunday. I don't care who the quarterback may be. Pats have not had a lead in the game this year. Think about that for a minute. The New England Patriots, for two weeks, two games at Gillette Stadium, have not had a lead. The time is now to go and get them. And as far as a guy like Brees Hall chirping on Twitter, I can't stand it. Listen, Brees, you got to be smarter. I understand the Jets' offense stunk. I understand you want to be more involved. But you're coming back off a torn ACL. The organization is going to want to protect your body and your well-being so that you can be a factor at the end of this year. I'm sure he had a much bigger role than anticipated in week one because of the fact that Aaron Rodgers went down and the game was tight. Game was not tight for the Jets in the second half. You shouldn't be getting touches in the game. What's the point? You don't want to be burning those bullets early on. You want to be slowly, gradually building up Brees Hall. And as far as the Jets and their narrative for the year, if they go and lose this game, yeah, I, I don't like it. Because then all of a sudden you're one and two. It's another loss against the Pats. Then it's Kansas City. Then it's at Denver. Listen, 
That's the Nathaniel Hackett revenge game where I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to go ballistic. That is no longer the case. Denver obviously is a winnable game, but it's at the mile high. Winning it two years in a row is not going to be easy for the Jets. And then they play the Eagles. And by the way, in the history of the New York Jets, they have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they don't play every year like the Giants, but that says something. They've never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. And with Wilson, at quarterback, that's where it could unravel. Like, it's not the same feeling as getting off to a slow start knowing you have that, that security blanket of Aaron Rodgers. That security blanket is not there. Let's take one more. Hey, JJ, Shaw from Long Island. Thanks for taking a call, man. It's been a minute. Congrats on the wedding. Congrats on everything. Uh, classic Jets rant here. Um, obviously, I don't think they're going with this game against the Cowboys either way, but I can't for the life of me. Salah, Mr. Defensive Genius. That's why we got him here. Obrick, hard knock, saying this defense can be legendary. I just can't for the life of me fathom how Sauce Gardner is on this team, how CeeDee Lamb can run by himself Big play after big play after big play. I know it's apples and oranges, but the Rex regime, they had Rebus on the team, a generational corner like Sauce is supposed to be. I can't imagine their best player going off play after play after play. I just don't get it. You know, Cooks wasn't even playing today. Let the second, third, fourth Cowboy receiver beat us today. I just don't know what the plan is for Sauce when a game like this happens where CD just goes off time and time again. Again, I don't think it's going to matter either way, but just for the future of the team, for the defensive scheme with the generational corner to be a number one receiver just burning us time and time again, I just don't get it. And I continue to be very, very worried about the coaching staff, man. Um, good luck to the Dolphins tonight. You know, we'll see, but it just blows my mind. Again, I'm not a salad guy, and nights like this are really a reason why. Hope I'm wrong, but uh, you tell me. Take care, bud. Hey, appreciate it. I'm not going to disagree. Sauce Gardner should be going the best receiver that every team has to offer. I want to see more of that. Now, Sauce Gardner had an opportunity in the game to go and get a pick six. Dropped it. That was a big swing for the Jets. Big swing. And you can't miss opportunities like that with this quarterback. The bar has been lowered drastically on offense. So when the defense is presented a chance to go and score and go and make that game-changing, game-altering type play, you got to seize the moment. They did not do that on Sunday. And if you're going to beat the Patriots on Sunday, Jet defense, got to be great. Not good, got to be great. Pat Leonard, Giant Niner preview. It's coming up. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. 
Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I know it's week two. Giants saved their season with that second half against the Arizona Cardinals. We now look ahead to week three. Daunting challenge. Short week on the road against the best team, I think, of football, the San Francisco 49ers. So to break down the matchup, my buddy, he's glowing because he's in Arizona right now as we speak. Talking ball, Pat Leonard podcast, New York Daily News. Always fun to chop it up with my main man, Pat. What's up, dude? JJ, doing well, man. Nice to... Nice to get a win under the belt for the Giants so that the scene, the season didn't totally spiral into chaos immediately, right? Because that's where it looked like it was going. Get a little breathing room here. Maybe not with the 49ers on deck, but uh, it was at least nice to see a victory. Um, I said this on the pod, Pat. I said it basically in every outlet, every platform imaginable. And I know some people are going to say, oh, you're being dramatic. You're being over the top. I know I'm a little dramatic. I know I'm a little over the top. With the schedule the Giants have in front of them, and with this game coming up Thursday and the trips they have over the month of October, this was a game to me, Pat, after losing 40 or nothing to the Cowboys. If you can't go and beat the Arizona Cardinals, to me, there would have been nothing to discuss about this Giant team this year. And they're down 20 to nothing. They look as dead as a doornail. I have Giant fans who are watching the game would have basically talking about Caleb Williams at halftime just with the way that game was shaken out. I don't think it was hyperbole or exaggeration. I think the Giants did save their season in many ways in week two. You agree with that? I completely agree. I, because, they're, like you said, there's not a lot of wins on the early schedule for the Giants. And even beating the Arizona Cardinals and coming back still doesn't prove that they can beat a good team. Arizona is not good. They played hard. I, I will give them that. They played very hard in that game. But let's face it, they didn't have Buda Baker. He's their best player on defense. And the way the Giants dug that hole in the first half, Buda Baker's on the field for the Cardinals in the second half. The Giants might have scored some points. They would not have had that kind of overwhelming 31-point success to claw back. You know, they saved their season because now they can take a breath and say, all right, we got to get some wins in the first half of the season just to make sure that we're kind of alive and kicking to try and win some big division games down the stretch. So that's true, 100%. But they still haven't saved the season from the standpoint of we can play with the big boys, and that's what's coming up here. So far, they've played one real NFL team and gotten their teeth kicked in, and now here comes a line of four straight of similar talent. Well, you mentioned that schedule. At the Niners, short week on a Thursday night, Seattle at home on a Monday night, and then a daunting back-to-back road trip. Miami, South Florida, Sun in October. They'll have a lot of Giant fans in the building, but Miami looking as good as anybody in the AFC, as you can tell, a little smile on my face when I say that. Yeah, you got to be pumped. Course, yeah. Oh, beyond pumped. We'll get to that in a matter of moments, Pat. But then Buffalo <laughs> um, to close out that stretch. That's that's a brutal, brutal slate of games. Second half, I don't know what was said. I don't know if it was Dable. I don't know if it was one of the assistants. I don't know if it's one of the leaders on the team. They looked like a completely different team. You were there. Obviously, the passing game came to life in a big way. Hyatt made big plays. Waller was all over the field. I thought Hodgins and Slayton really stepped up. But watching it in person, 
Pat, what was yeah. the biggest difference to you in the second half of football we saw from the Giants as opposed to the six quarters of football where they got outscored 60 to nothing? Well, I think the primary difference was Dable, Kafka, and Daniel Jones clearly got together and said, listen, if we can protect, we can get the ball down the field. Our receivers are open down the field. And Daniel even admitted he underthrew Darius Slayton on that one deep shot in the first half. There was another one, I think, where Hyatt had gotten free where Daniel didn't see him and didn't throw the ball. And he put that on himself. And I think they came out, the main difference was offensively, they just drove the ball down the field. They ran some play action to hold the Cardinals' pass rush at bay. And the Cardinals' pass rush is not a very good one to begin with. So just buying an extra half second, I think that was the primary goal there was Darren Waller, Darius Slayton, Jalen Hyatt, let's make explosive plays. I think what happened at halftime gathering, talking to a lot of people was Brian Dable pressed some of the right buttons. And, you know, you, you hit on saving the season. I thought it was a saving season moment for Brian Dable as much as the team because he didn't have the team ready to play in week one. He didn't have the team ready to play in the first half of week two. And I think he deserves credit for kind of putting pressure in a constructive way on the team to perform in the second half. Now, no one obviously discloses exactly what gets said, but putting the piece, these pieces together, JJ, he kind of read them the ride act a little bit and said, you know, we need to deliver on the promise of all the expectations we're talking about off the field. And our backs are against the wall, and you're only going to learn about yourselves if you fight back now. It's now or never. And I think the team responded. And if there's one positive right now after two weeks, JJ, it's that they showed they had that kind of special fight in them in this game that they had last year, which through six quarters, it looked like they didn't have any fight at all. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for good old-fashioned Twitter conspiracy theory. Uh, all throughout the second half, there were rumblings, Pat. Did Dable take over the play calls? Is Dable all of a sudden now making some things happen offensively? Came out right after the game. You know, I'm following along on Twitter. I'm seeing what you guys are reporting and whatnot. Basically, it's like, no, there's, there's no truth in that. Was that something that you guys were kind of speculating a little bit about uh, in the press box on Sunday? Or no, not really? Oh, yeah. I I'll be totally honest. And kudos to the fans for picking it up on the TV. But I spent a lot of the second half, JJ. This is totally true with my binoculars watching Dable because what he was doing was so different. Uh, he was much more active when the offense was on the field than he usually is. Uh, he does have a play sheet on him. He's right, typically. But, JJ, he was folding it, turning it back and forth, looking down at it, covering his mouth as he was speaking sometimes. I actually could see it looked to me like he was reading a play back to somebody, probably to Mike Kafka. And really what I think is they always collaboratively talk about the offensive game plan. So he's always involved. But I would really be surprised if there weren't moments in the second half where he was delivering directions to Kafka going straight to Daniel. Because not only did their offense open up, you look at the Bills offense and what Josh Allen became under Brian Diebel, that second half looked to me like that. It looked That's to me point. like when Brian Diebel... stretching the field having the quarterback use his athleticism to buy some time and taking those shots, Pat, that let's be honest, they were not taken last year. Yeah, and it looked like, you know, the Bills basically are, they put it on Josh Allen's shoulders to make all the plays and be the offense, but like you said, then they open it up to him on the field, they give him these downfield options. That was the first time I kind of saw all of that come to pass, play in and play out. And I'm looking at Dable, 
And I'm looking at what's happening on the offense and on the field, and I'm thinking, however more he's involved, he is definitely more involved. And I still believe that, even though no matter who you talk to, you're just not going to get anyone to really admit it. Speaking of more involved, I know he's a rookie. I know the Giants have a very crowded wide receiver room. Pat, this Jalen Hyatt's got to be on the field more. I mean, every time I see him, whether it's at camp, whether it's in college, where I watched a lot of SEC in Tennessee, he's making plays. Is this something, I mean, listen, arguably one of the biggest plays of the game was his deep vertical bomb down the field. Is this something we should expect to see more of with more of an involvement for him in the offense? Or are the Giants kind of going to gradually ease him into more and more reps on the field? I think I think he's definitely going to be more involved. I think the plan is to gradually increase his role because Jalen Hyatt even admitted that in the spring, picking up the playbook was a challenge. I think he got it coming into training camp. So I don't think he's struggling now with that stuff. But he even said coming out of the first game in da- against Dallas that he realized he needed to study tape more. He needed to grind 24-7, figuring out who he's playing against and not just what his responsibilities are. So I think he's growing a little bit in maturity-wise as far as preparation goes in order to earn that not just or earn that extra playing time, not just with what he's doing on the field. But JJ, you're absolutely right. I mean, listen, he's not Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, but the similar idea of when you have that speed on the field, everybody on defense starts backpedaling, right? It's just a different factor. It's a different element. It changes the complexion of the game. I think in the San Francisco game, look for him to run some jet sweeps. You know, with Saquon Barkley likely out, you're going to use a guy like him to stretch the defense horizontally. And yeah, I think he has to play. And I think we saw that in training camp too, JJ. It was just, he just has something that some other guys don't. And it's hard to keep a guy off the field when he brings that speed. All right, let's get to this Barkley injury. They lose him late in the fourth quarter. Pat, we know how important and how vital he is to this offense. Uh, It looks like all things considered, the Giants kind of dodged the bullet here. He might miss multiple weeks. It's not a season ender like we saw last night with Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns. But then, you know, I'm following along on Twitter, and that was a gruesome injury, a tough injury to watch, no doubt about it. Um, I'm following along on Twitter today at Dable, and right before we got on, he kind of mentions this idea that maybe Saquon could play on Thursday. I mean, Pat, I, I'll, I'll say it. Coach, I love you. I'm calling BS. I, I, I don't see it. It's a short week. It's a Thursday night game on the road against that team. There's no certifiable way I see Saquon Barkley suiting up for the New York Giants. What, what do you make of what you heard from the head coach earlier this afternoon? Same reaction you had. I, I think I, it's definitely, I believe Dable when he says that Saquon feels like he made a lot of progress in the last day, even more than the doctors and trainers were expecting. But I, mean, I was standing right there next to Saquon in the locker room after the game. He was just distraught. I mean, he really was acting like somebody who knew that he was going to be hampered by this thing. Now, you're right. They dodged a bullet in the sense that it's not a season-ending injury. But the amount that he has to cut and plant, this is something that, especially on a short week, I can't imagine uh, he would go. And uh, I think that Brian Dable is just using anything he can to his competitive advantage right now because San Francisco really is that much better than them. So I think he's just trying to use anything he can at the moment. But I don't think he's going to play. Well, I think his old boss, Bill Belichick, would be very proud of the answer he gave to you guys (laughs) earlier today because that was basically right out of the Belichick uh, playbook. Okay, defensively, 
it maybe is getting lost in the shuffle a little bit here, Pat, because the Giants didn't score a point for six quarters. This is a defense that has not gone after the quarterback. They haven't gotten a sack. Their run defense has not been particularly good. And the rookie corners, and that's going to happen a lot of the times when you're playing rookie corners, they look incredibly inexperienced and incredibly lost at times. If there is one particular element of the defense that would concern you the most, not just for the San Francisco game, but concern you now moving forward, what would it be? For me, JJ, it is the basics of tackling a ball carrier. I mean, I I can't believe I'm talking about something that simple, but the Giants aren't providing enough resistance when opponents put the ball in a running back's hands and come downhill at them. I don't want to question anybody's toughness, but there have been several touchdown runs in the first two weeks against them where they have not resisted at all at the goal line. James Conner had one last week. Josh Dobbs had one where I know Xavier McKinney's trying to get the ball because they don't have a turnover yet, but it's just unacceptable. you got to tackle the guy. Um, in week one, uh, Kevontae Turpin's run in the fourth quarter of that game is one of the worst defensive snaps I've seen put on tape by the Giants in a while. And, you know, yeah, they don't have a sack. Yeah, they don't have a turnover. Yeah, they're giving up a lot of points. But they got to start at square one, JJ. They got to start at, you know, it can't be a gaping hole in an eight-yard run before the first contact is made on the ball carrier. Leonard Williams, where are you? Kayvon Thibodeau, where are you? Um, Rookie corners, even if you're not, if you're struggling in coverage, you got to set the edge. You got to make the tackle on the outside. Uh, McKinney hasn't played well enough. Really, I'm glad you mentioned it, JJ, because I think it is flying under the radar a little bit with all the things going on, Barkley's injury, uh, how badly the offense played in the first six quarters, all that. Their defense is concerning. They have not set the tone yet that they are tough to play against. Okay, Niner game coming up Thursday. Pat, I hate being this guy because I think it's lame, and I understand you only get one of 17 opportunities, but if you don't have Saquon Barkley, and you're on the road, and it's a short week, and it's against that team with all the talent that they have, offensively, defensively, the coaching with Kyle Shanahan, to me, one of the best offensive minds the sport has to offer. Am I being lame in saying that if I watch the Giants Thursday night, go and give me a spirited, competitive effort where they're in the game in the fourth quarter, and maybe they lose by 10 points, maybe they lose by a touchdown, I'm okay with it as a building block moving on to Seattle and Miami and Buffalo, or is that, in your eyes, not good enough? No, I feel the same way as you do. I think the Niners, everybody knows they're more talented. Uh, They also, you know, the Giants sometimes have a coaching advantage, like against the Cardinals with Jonathan Gannon. They do not have a coaching advantage in this game. So I think that, you know, competing with the Niners and showing they belong on the field, even though it sounds like a low barometer, I think is a fair one because the, the only other time they've, they faced a team that has Super Bowl hopes in Dallas so far, they did not belong in the field. And then last year when they played against the Eagles who were in the Super Bowl last year, they didn't belong in the field. So I think that's a more than fair barometer. I think expecting more is unfair. And uh, I think that if the Giants can show that they belong with, frankly, the most complete team so far in the NFL this season, you know, maybe your Dolphins are up there too right now. Um, but if they can show that, I think I'm, I would be a little bit more hopeful and encouraged that, you know, the next week when Seattle comes in on Monday night, 
that the Giants could compete in that game. Because right now, I'm not, cons- I'm not confident about this one. I'm not confident about the Seattle one. I'm not confident about the Buffalo one, the Miami one. So they got to show it to me before I'm going to believe it. And that's why I think in these next four, Pat, if the Giants somehow, some way, could get two of the next four, they're in amazing shape. I think one and three is probably the most likely outcome. Like if you're going to go and play the bingo card and play the probabilities and you know do all this stuff the analytics people like to do, you might pin the Giants at one and three. They're two and two in this four-game stretch. All things considered, Pat, I'm signing right on the dotted line. No doubt. No doubt. Especially because, you know, listen, they, they don't play a lot of division games until later in the season. And we know all three of those teams are 2-0 and coming out of the first two weeks. But if the Giants can get two wins in this first four and stay afloat, and then you have to imagine four more chemistry, develop as a team, when you get to those games late in the season, yeah, you're not going to have as good a record as the Cowboys, most likely. You're not going to have as good a record as the Eagles. Who knows where the Commanders will be. But now you're in a position where those head-to-head wins can put you over the top. So I think treading water right now would be good enough. Final one. Best chance for the Giants to go and get a road victory over their next story. And I'm not including the Seattle game. Because the game's at home. It's a Monday night game. you got a West Coast team coming to the East Coast. In theory, that should be the most winnable. What is the most winnable game out of these three for the Giants? At San Fran, which I would put last on the list. I'd be stunned if the Giants won this game. And then Miami and Buffalo. What's their best chance to steal one, Pat? That is a hard question. Um, if it were any other team, I, I would pick the Thursday night game because short weeks and Thursday nights, you just never know. Weird things happen. Yeah, I understand that. But, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants fought a little harder than people expect and kept it closer. But, yeah, I can't pick the San Francisco game. Um, I guess, and, uh, you know, I'm going to gaslight you here a little bit, but I guess I would say the Miami game because there's a chance that Wink could dial up some pressure, fluster Tua into a turnover or two. I mean, listen, I'm not confident in saying this right now because none of these games are good options, but. I guess I would say if the Giants' pass rush gets to two, they have a chance. But uh, it, you're making me, I, I don't know, I, there's no good answer here. Pat, I understand. I understand that. It means the Giants are going to have to really get fat in the month of November, assuming they go and lose these three games, to go and get themselves to nine or ten wins and make the playoffs. And interestingly enough, you didn't say Buffalo. I thought maybe you would with that Dable-Josh Allen angle. But at the same time, Dable... Former offensive coordinator for two at Alabama. So, you know, comfort level all around, I guess, for Brian Dable with these guys. You know, it's funny, too. I'm, I'm not incredibly high on the Bills either. So I, I thought about that one. I just, you know, the talent disparity on the field, I think when the Giants, when it's very lopsided for the Giants, they just have a really hard time not only overcoming it, but even competing. That's what the Dallas game was. That's what the Niners game likely will be. And the Bills, even though I think they have a lot of holes and some issues, they're just so much more talented on the field right now, position for position, than the Giants. So I just I doubt that they can uh, make up for that. Well, Pat, thanks for a few minutes. Um, I will probably see you for the Monday night game against Seattle, but I will definitely see you. And I will be glowing because I will be in South Florida. It'll be Giant Dolphin Week. I will probably have a round or two of golfing, hopefully – I don't look like a red lobster. I need the quote that you have after Arizona. I mean, not too bad for the giant beat going from Arizona 
to <laughs> Miami. Not, not too shabby, bud. Hopefully, I see you twice in Miami, once on the course and once at the game. He said. Well, I, I like the sound of that. That's our pal Pat Leonard, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. You want to check it out. Outstanding giant NFL pod. And, of course, check out his work in the New York Daily News. All right, buddy. I'll see you soon. Thanks, JJ. Good stuff there from our buddy Pat Leonard. So daunting challenge awaits the Giants Thursday. We'll be ready to rock and roll right after Giants and Niners. We'll have our football Friday pod, all regulars. Benigo will be back. Uh, We'll see if Joe still thinks that the Jets are going to go and win the AFC East this year. I'll make sure to get his feelings on that. Uh, The Pats-Jets game, Arthur Caesar, Jason Katz, all that good stuff and more. Good job by Stefan. We'll be back on Thursday night, early Friday morning. Until then, JJ signing off. Enjoy your Tuesday. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus in present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9 within Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-327. 5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.